0: Good morning, it's good to see everyone this morning I wonder if we could turn to Mark, Mark chapter 8 this morning There's a lot of worried faces this morning (laughs) Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone that uh, helped the last time, I do appreciate it Uh, And hopefully it doesn't happen this morning Um, Now, we're we're at a great portion of scripture today and really we're at the end of Christ's Galilean ministry Uh, and just before our passage, we're going to be reading from 31 uh, but just before, Christ asks um, his disciples who people say that he is and they give him answers, John the Baptist and Elijah uh, but then he asks Peter, who do you say that I am and Peter says, you are the Christ and this is the first time Uh, That Jesus has been recognised as the Messiah Or the Christ by his disciples Um, And now in verse 31 He begins to teach them um, These truths about how he is the Messiah And what he is going to do So verse 31 of Mark chapter 8 And he began to teach them That the Son of Man must suffer many things And be rejected by the elders And the chief priests and the scribes And after three days rise again, he was stating the matter plainly and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning around and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, but man's. And he summoned the crowd and his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and to forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels chapter 9 verse 1 and Jesus was uh, was saying to them truly I say to you there are some of those who are standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God after it has come with power. Six days later Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and brought them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them and his garments became radiant and exceedingly white Uh, as no launder on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared along with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. And Jesus, uh, Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, teacher, is it good for us to be here? Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed overshadowing them and And a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them any more, except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate uh, to anyone what they had seen, until the Son of Man rose from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing with one another what the rising from the dead meant. They asked him, saying, Why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does first come and restore all things and yet how it is written of the Son of Man he will suffer many things and be treated with contempt but I say to you that Elijah has indeed come and they did to him whatever they wished just as it was written of him I've Got question this morning is do you know the gospel it's my first question or maybe a better one would be, has the gospel changed your life? Uh, it's an interesting question, and the word gospel, uh, a basic definition of it would be uh, good news. Now, now news comes in different shapes and sizes today. Um, we recently have been thinking of a submarine that got lost at sea um but in the New Testament, in Scripture, uh, we see the Gospel as throughout the entirety of Scripture. And it is good news. Uh, and there's, in the New Testament especially, the Gospel is presented in three ways. It is preached, and we see in this passage it is preached by Christ. Uh, it is spread uh, through the work of evangelism. Um, and the content of the Gospel is an offer of salvation. Uh, and if we look at the news that we see today... Uh, on the television or in the papers. Uh, it is preached, it is, it is published, and we're bombarded with it every time we open our phone. It is spread. We, uh, in the office, we're talking of um, the disaster of the submarine in the last couple of weeks, uh, and that is what has been uh, circling in the office. And then the content, well, the content of the news today is not profitable and that's the difference between the gospel the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and the news that we get uh, coming from the world Uh, and now in Mark in chapter 1 I'm going to read a verse in Mark chapter 1 and it's verse 1 the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God Um, we could also read it the beginning of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ the Son of God Or the beginning of the good news of salvation Of Jesus Christ, the Son of God Uh, And and we see in this passage That Christ himself is teaching the good news of the Gospel Uh, And the thing to remember about the Gospel is That Christ is at the centre of the Gospel Uh, And we preach Christ and we preach Christ uh, And his work on the cross And without Christ and his work on the cross There is no good news to tell uh, the Apostle Paul says about the gospel uh, in Acts, he says in Acts 20 24, uh, the gospel is the grace of God. It is by the grace of God that we are saved. And as we look at this passage, we see two things the grace of God in offering salvation uh, to mankind, and the glory of God in the work of salvation. So, Robert Anderson, uh, A great man said this about the gospel Let us take heed then that we preach grace He who preaches a mixed gospel Robs God of his glory And the sinner of his hope What he is saying here is That the only way to obtain salvation Is by the grace of God through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ And if we add anything to that We are questioning the sufficiency of the work of Christ So first verse in our passage verse 31 and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again This says the work of salvation he Jesus is teaching his disciples now uh, the work of salvation and this is a new teaching to them uh, teaching of the cross he is laying out what is going to happen uh, it's the first of several times that te- Christ is going to teach on the cross uh, uh, and as they have come to the end of the Galilean ministry it is the right time to tell them of the cross it's now just over six months until Christ is going to uh, Calvary and he's preparing them for what is coming um, They need to know so they can be ready for when it comes. And this is important for us as well. We need to know as well uh, the truth of the gospel. Uh, For Christ is going to return uh, and we need to be ready for when he does. um, Must, verse 31, the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. This isn't an option. It was necessary for Christ uh, to do this to do the work of salvation Uh, and and when thinking of the work of salvation there's two things uh, I think that are important that we need to establish. The first is the holiness of God and the second is the sinfulness of man Uh, and both of these terms are difficult to come to terms with um, but both go together in a way if we grasp the truth of the holiness of God then we also grasp Uh, the extent of our own sinfulness uh, and our own corruption we see Christ himself says uh, in Matthew chapter 5 you therefore must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect the problem is in our sinful state it's impossible for us to reach that uh, level that we are being asked to reach Uh, God when speaking to Moses uh, in Leviticus in chapter 19, and he's speaking to Moses about the children of Israel and uh, uh, and their need for spiritual holiness stay away from idols and he says speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them you shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy the holiness of God is seen through the whole of scripture uh, uh, and because God is holy and we understand that we have sinned it is impossible for sin to be in the presence of a holy God. Um, So it's impossible for us to be in the presence of God. In our our natural state, in our simple state, it is impossible for us to be in the presence of God without salvation. Therefore, it is important that we obtain salvation. Now, I would like to wonder if we could turn to Titus in Titus chapter 3. Titus in Titus chapter 3 Paul uh, uh, is writing to Titus and in verse 3 of chapter 3 he says for we also once were foolish ourselves this is explaining the state of sinful man we were once foolish ourselves disobedient, deceived, enslaved to various lusts and pleasures spending our life in malice and envy and hateful hating one another But then when salvation is obtained but when the kindness of God our Saviour and his love for mankind appeared he saved us not only on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness but according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out upon us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour. This is... uh, really what we're talking about when we look at the need for salvation we see in verse 3 we were foolish ourselves disobedient, deceived, enslaved in various lusts and pleasures but then by the love of God and through his grace and the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ we can obtain the salvation now we have the need for salvation we also have the necessity of the sovereign and um, Sin has been committed. We can all admit that. Uh, a debt has been accumulated, but who is the sin against? Now another verse to turn to would be to Second Samuel, if we can find it in the Old Testament, Second Samuel in chapter twelve. Now at this point in Second Samuel, uh, David has neglected his responsibility to Israel. Uh, to go out and fight and he has remained at home uh, enjoying the pleasures of that which he he had in Jerusalem, in the palace and he committed this awful sin with another man's wife and then to cover this up he he got this man killed and um, went on with his life but God sent Nathan uh, to rebuke David. And he did so in verse uh, 7 of Second Samuel 12. Nathan then said to David, you yourself are the man. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. It is I who anointed you as king over Israel. It is I who rescued you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and put your master's wives into your care. I gave you the house of Israel and Judah and Judah. And if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the work of the Lord? By doing evil in his sight. That's what happens when we sin. We despise the work that God has done by doing evil in his sight. You have struck and killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword. You have taken his wife as your wife. You have slaughtered him with the sword, the sons of Ammon. Now then the sword shall never leave your house. Uh, And we get here a judgment on David, Uh, and David says to Nathan after this in verse twelve verse thirteen, sorry, I have sinned against the Lord. Now we looking at this might think, Oh, David sinned against many people, but really David understands that with what he has done he has sinned against the Lord. Uh, And then Nathan said to David The Lord has allowed uh, your sin to pass, you shall not die. And really, repentance brings forth life. uh, And God forgave David. But what we're drawing out from here is that when we sin, we are sinning directly against a holy God. So we understand our nature as man. We are created in the image of God. But through Adam, sin entered into the world. It's a disease. We all suffer from this. We understand that God is holy uh, and sin cannot be in his presence. Meaning there's a separation between us and God And we know that when we sin just as David did We are sinning against a holy God So there's a need for a perfect sacrifice To appease God A sacrifice that would be found acceptable In the sight of a holy God Now Thinking on this A little over uh, 14 months ago A little under 14 months ago Three of us embarked on an adventure all three uh, involved are in this room. <laughs> and we met, uh, we we got a call from our friends. We had ten friends out in uh, Madeira. And we got a call inviting us out uh, to go on holiday with them. Uh, and these ten people were enjoying the rest and the, uh, and the privileges that came with being out there in Madeira. Madeira is a, an island off of the north sort of west of Africa. It's, it's Portuguese, but... Um, and it's often known as, or referred to as, uh, the paradise of Europe. Now the three of us travelled to uh, Aberdeen Airport and met early in the morning, and then we travelled down to Manchester, uh, where we would get a connecting flight. to. I remember actually Ian Jackson uh, speaking on Manchester and saying, the best thing about Manchester Airport is it takes you away from Manchester and there was a certain truth to that. Uh, we we were in Manchester and it, it wasn't what we were wanting, it wasn't what we were expecting and we got on the flight and we flew across the Atlantic and we arrived late at night, our friends were at the other side of the fence of the airport um, waiting for us, waiting to pick us up. Um, and we arrived late at night and we got off the plane and we, we, we walked through these doors and there was a queue of people and we were working our way down the queue and at the other end was a wall, a massive wall uh, with, with gates and guards posted as sentries on these gates and they would call one person forward and you would uh, provide your documentation and you, you would give your passport and they would ask you questions and if they found you acceptable, they would let you through. So one person would go forward and they would open the gate. They would walk through and the gates would shut. There was no way for us to enter Madeira without going through these gates. Um, now, <laughs> Tom went first and <laughs> he was taking a while. And we were wondering what was going on. Uh, and the man said, Tom was only 17 at this point. the man said, Tom, where are your parents? And he says, um, "I'm here with the, I'm here with the lads." He's like, "No, where, where are your parents?" He says, "I, I can't let you in." There's a law in Portugal that if you're under eighteen, then you have to either be accompanied by your parents or your parents have to get permission. They have to send that permission to uh, the government. And um, long story short. Uh, Tom phoned his mum and dad and they sent over uh, documentation, I think they sent uh, their passports and they also sent permission for Tom to enter now it took someone outside of that situation to intervene someone that was found acceptable in the sight of the government of Portugal uh, to to do this work, to allow Tom to enter into uh, this paradise Um, (laughs) and there's something of that here we see it there's no way for us to do the work to get ourselves to obtain salvation it didn't matter how much Tim or I loved Tom there was no way for us to bring Tom through with us in our bags the only way for Tom to get through was for his parents who were found acceptable in the sight of the government to give him permission to go through Now there's four things uh, in verse 31 uh, that must happen. Um, And Christ lived a sinless and perfect life um, but he began to teach them uh, and these are the teachings of salvation that uh, he must suffer and we were thinking of that this morning uh, the sufferings of Christ and what he went through for us uh, on the cross. Uh, And then Christ also had to be rejected uh, by, by the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. Uh, he had to be killed and there needed to be a sacrifice and a payment for sin. And then he had to rise again. Uh, and we see that the elders and the chief priests, these people that were uh, uh, in control of Israel and in charge of Israel, uh, the leaders of Israel who should have known better, didn't receive the Messiah but rejected the Messiah their focus was on uh, the temporal they were they were focused on uh, this Messiah that would come in glory and power uh, and restore Israel uh, and make it the head of all nations uh, but that wasn't the work of Christ uh, at that point Christ came uh, uh, in his first advent to defeat sin not to defeat Rome Uh, and because Christ didn't fit into their picture their own picture of what the Messiah should be uh, they rejected him and it speaks of separation it speaks of uh, this complete rejection to disapprove of um, these were the the men that should have known better but these were the ones that rejected the Messiah Uh, and we see that Uh, he was killed he was the sacrifice he was found acceptable in the sight of god Uh, he was our substitute we were the ones that sinned but christ was the one that died Um, and we see peter and how he after hearing this truth he understood it to a certain extent he understood that christ was saying that he had to die you can imagine peter standing there saying no what are you doing well, why are you going to die I've given up my life I've given up my uh, my employment and, and my family to, to, to serve you you are the Messiah you are the Christ and you're going to die he didn't understand fully that Christ had to die so that Peter could then live what um, Peter considered uh, the ultimate bad news uh, here actually turned out to be the best news uh, the world has ever received uh, it's the very heart of the gospel, uh, Christ dying and rising again uh, the, the son of God, the one who paid the uh, the price for sin uh, and conquered death uh, so that those who believe in him uh, may have eternal life now there is pictures of of this in scripture and we could say that Peter should have known um that this was the case we think of uh, the Passover lamb and, uh, and how it was slain and remember in, uh, the start of John and John the Baptist would say behold the lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world um, but Peter's focus was similar to that of the uh, the scribes and the, uh, 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 and the teachers of the law uh, in that Christ didn't fit um, into his idea of the Messiah at this point now our third point uh, this morning would be um, the notable life of a saint and really we're coming down to verse 34 to verse uh, 1 of chapter 9 and um, In verse 34, and he summoned the crowd with his disciples and said to them, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? For what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with holy angels. This is the teaching on the the truth of the Gospel here, really. He must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Everyone at this point uh, in this scene would have known exactly what that meant. To take up your cross uh, really is talking about crucifixion, and in Rome, uh, you, the crucifixion you would carry the cross beam, the beam of the cross, uh, to the to the place where you were going to be crucified. It was public; everyone would, everyone would know uh, this man, this woman, uh, was sentenced to death, and you would carry your cross beam uh, through the crowds. Uh, and and, and up to the post Uh, and, and it was something that was hard it wasn't easy it was something that was painful something that was humiliating this is what Christ is saying about the believer you must deny yourself you must deny your old state your old sinful man you must take up this cross which is hard Uh, and follow me whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it for what does it benefit a a person to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul two things here we're looking at the world and, and the soul and to gain the world or to gain the soul what is better well, gain the world. You could you could store everything up here on Earth. Uh, you could create for yourself a lovely life here, uh, a comfortable life, one where you're not uh, bearing the weight of the crossbeam uh, and walking to uh, uh, walking to uh, the end. You could create for yourself a lovely life here. But the thing with that is, the world is only temporal. It's temporary that's all it is whereas if you if you focus on the soul if you lose your life here on earth and you bear, take up the cross and follow Christ then the soul is eternal do you store your things here on earth which is temporary or do you store your things in heaven which are are eternal for whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous And sinful generation. The Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with holy angels. This is a warning to unbelief. Uh, The Lord is going to return, Um, and he'll arrive with the armies of heaven, and he'll come in judgment, and he'll put the nations to the sword. And really we have a a bit of a warning here from Christ uh, of what's going to happen. I have uh, an extract from a letter written back in 1684. Uh, There was a a young man from the village that I grew up in in Lismehago who was martyred for his faith uh, in Glasgow Cross on the 19th of March in, in 1684 and he wrote this letter three days before he died uh, in front of Glasgow Cathedral Um, and he was hanged with another four men and this letter was to his sister and to his mother his father and his brothers were all uh, killed for their faith Um, and he would not accept that the the king at the time had the same position as Christ over the church Uh, and Archibald Stuart is his name And he says this in his letter to his mother and to his sister three days before his death. This is the sweetest and joyfullest day that I have ever had in my life. I am more willing to die for my Lord Jesus Christ and his truth than I ever was to live. I believe in my Lord who has called me, chosen me and redeemed me through his blood and the riches of his free grace and for accepting my testimony I am called to witness this day for him. If every drop of my blood and every hair on my head was a life, I would willingly lay them down for my lovely Lord Jesus Christ. He then goes on to give instructions um, to his mother and sister um, uh, to to continue to meet with the saints. He gives them instruction to to study the word and to pray continually. Uh, And then he says... And now I wish with all my heart and my soul that those who have wronged me would have repentance and that it stands well with the Lord's glory to forgive them, as I desire also to be forgiven. This man was uh, 19 years of age. Uh, He was the man of the house. He was putting things in place that would help his mother and his sister uh, continue when he when he died but his his main priority was the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, he was bearing his cross uh, for Christ he would not uh, accept that any man has the same position or authority as as the Lord Jesus Christ and he was willing to die for the gospel (coughs) and its truth now if we move on to verse 2 of chapter uh, chapter 9 and this is a great um, portion of scripture uh, Jesus transfigured uh, before these three men Um, and really it's a continuation of the teaching that we have seen Uh, for the glory of Christ and the kingdom is revealed uh, to these three Um, I'll read from verse 2 six days later Jesus took with him Peter and James and John And brought them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His garments became radiant and exceedingly white, as no launder on earth can whiten them. Elijah appeared to them along with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, and one for Moses, and one for Elijah. For he did not know what to answer, for they became terrified. Then a cloud formed, overshadowing them, and a voice came out of the cloud, This is my beloved son, listen to him. All at once they looked around and saw no one with them any more, except Jesus alone. As they were coming down from the mountain, he gave them orders not to relate to anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man rose from the dead. They seized upon that statement, discussing one with another what the rising from the dead meant. They asked him, saying, Why is it that the scribes say that Elijah must come first? And he said to them, Elijah does first come and restore all things. And yet how it is written of the Son of Man that he will suffer many things, be treated with contempt. But I tell you that Elijah has indeed come. And they did to him whatever they wished, just as it was written of him. I think there is something here. Uh, of the Lord giving uh, these three a glimpse of the kingdom and a glimpse of his glory Uh, Moses a man that uh, God gave the law to to take to the people of Israel Uh, and we can see here uh, Elijah one of the prophets and Christ standing in the middle of the two uh, in the middle of uh, the law and the prophets and how uh, the Lord God would say, in verse 7, This is my beloved son, listen to him. And then when they looked around, the only one left was Christ. He, he, he is far more superior than the law and the prophets. He fulfills both of them. Uh, he, he, he is the, uh, the glory of the Father, and uh, he, he is the one who has obtained salvation. The, the, the law convicts us of our sin. It tells us what we have done wrong before the Father. And the prophets pointed to this Messiah. They pointed to, to the one who would save us from our sins. And Christ is the fulfillment of that. Listen to him. This is how you are saved. I would challenge everyone this morning um, to read these verses again. Uh, This is is a truth, the gospel truths that um, I have not made up, nor has anyone here, but these are truths that Christ has preached himself uh, and then expressed in his glory. Um, So we have seen that God is holy and we are sinful, but there is a way to salvation, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. who who was rejected uh, suffered, died but then rose again so that we can have life uh, and the relationship with the almighty God let's pray Heavenly Father we thank you for uh, this day today we thank you for your creation and how we can uh, look out and see the wonders of it Father Uh, but more than that Father we thank you for uh, your beloved son Uh, The one who uh, paid the price that we should have paid, Father. We think of the work that he has done on our behalf. We have thought of the sufferings of Christ today. We have thought of his death. Uh, We have thought of his rejection by the leaders of Israel. But we thank you that he, uh, in his perfect nature, did all of this for us, Father. So that we can stand here forgiven in the sight of the Almighty God. May we bring all of this to you in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.